Hello, and welcome to Mother Daughter Earthcast, a show that will help you navigate the eco world and live a more colorful and conscious life. We'll inform, inspire, and embolden you. And most importantly, we'll have fun along the way to a more planet-caring lifestyle together. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Mother Daughter Earthcast. I am Mariana Archibald. And I'm Jenna Woods. And today, y'all, we are talking with one of my dear friends. Her name is Ellen D. Davidson, and she is just such a special and wise and loving person, and I'm so glad that we're able to share some of her incredibly insightful messages around nature and the deep connection that she has with nature with y'all today. It's profound mm-hmm. listening to her. It is profound. And you'll hear her talk about how she really learned to foster a deep connection with nature and her time in the forest and some of the messages that she received from trees and just a few specific messages for me at least were just so impactful and the way she visually paints these large seemingly abstract concepts and roots them back in nature it's just she's incredible and every time I talk to her and have just personal conversations I always leave just feeling at peace and and hopeful and this was definitely no different this was incredible and we end with an incredible guided connection meditation that's for those of y'all on patreon definitely go over and check that out because it was it was magical and profound as you said it was and i haven't told mariana this but i have been wanting to learn how to meditate i've never i've always had a hard time quieting my chihuahua brain and we did this she led this meditation and I feel so grounded now and she she was talking about pausing and finding balance and I feel so relaxed right now and balanced it's Mm -hmm. just finding balance in your life is so critical mm-hmm. and harder than we may think oh yes most <laughs> <Very> definitely <laughs> well we are definitely go to the show notes you'll find links to ellen's website her books several of her she has several books um two of the her books are the ones we really focus on in this episode wild path to the sacred heart and her newest fantasy for children, um, you know, middle grade children, her new fantasy called wind. And so definitely if you have any children, I think she said between the age range of like eight and 13 Mm -hmm. in your life, yes, this is a great one. And if you want to read an incredible memoir of Ellen's time receiving messages directly from trees than Wild Path to the Sacred Heart. I've read it. I recommend it so much. It's incredible. And it has, I was telling Ellen in the bonus content, 
literally inspired the project that I'm working on right now. So I hope y'all love the messages that Ellen has to share about trees and nature as much as we did and head over to Patreon to check out that guided meditation. I, you can probably hear in our voices, we're just on a, a lovely Ellen cloud right now. Yes. And it's great. It's so important to connect with nature and she just gives it another dimension and makes it so visual. She does. She's amazing. Well, anyways, without any further ado, y'all buckle up because this is a good one. Please welcome Ellen D. Davidson to Mother Daughter Earthcast. So Ellen, I know I have the pleasure of knowing you and having met you, but can you give our listeners just to kick us off a little bit about your background and who you are? Um, I'm a mom. I have two grown daughters and a granddaughter who just fell down and got four stitches in her lip, which made me worry, but I think she'll be fine. And I, um, when my youngest daughter went off to college, I sort of went off to the forest. I live in the redwoods of Northern California and they were always there, but I'd never really had the time and the freedom to just tramp around. And actually, I at the time was meditating a lot with um, a Tibetan Buddhist Lama, and he had advised all of us to follow the juice to do what we wanted. And since that coincided with me actually having free time for the first time in my life, (laughs) I started playing with waking up in the morning and saying, what do I want to do today? And it was go to the forest. And then it was go to the forest the next day. And then it was go to the forest the next day. (laughs) So it became this fascinating odyssey of realizing how alive and intelligent those ancient trees are. Mm -hmm. And um, even different trees seem to have different personalities. So I felt um, guided guided by the presence of these ancient trees. I love that. I love that. And we are going to ask you all of our burning questions about trees and your books. But before we do that, mom actually discovered your music album and wanted to ask you about (laughs) that. So I was listening to it. It's called Star Tree. And it's, uh, you're playing the piano. And tell us about it. It's beautiful music. Thank you. You know, I did that because I started getting a little bit of arthritis in my fingers. And I thought, well, when I'm 80 or 90, presuming I live a long time, I want to be able to hear what I was doing later on. So I had a friend. I actually have another one called uh, Forest forest inspirations or something to record two cds for me and they're just most of the music on them is composed by me it's more improv improv than um actually written down compositions but as i'm playing i'm actually seeing the forest so I'm sort of going down the path and seeing the butterflies and listening to the birds and the creek babbling along, trying to 
not even trying, just sort of letting that come through me as best I can and flow into the music. That's, That's what I was trying to share. That's I could, amazing. I could see it. I mean, listening to your music, it was so soothing, just like the forest is. Y'all, I told you Ellen was magical. <laughs> and one thing, Ellen, which I think is very cool and kind of a good transition into the our, the rest of our conversation, my mom, when she listened to that music, she said it sounded so much like the music that we have listened to from our plants using our little plant wave device. Wow. Mm-hmm. It does. That is cool. Yes. And we're actually going to be releasing, we've been hooking up our little plant music device to a bunch of different plants and we're going to be releasing some of those audio recordings and I'll definitely let you know and send that to you but that's the first thing my mom said she said Ellen's music sounds just like the plant music that we've been listening to yeah so I thought you'd like that that's what I was trying to do I was just sort of inviting that to come through and play through me so this is a moment of me feeling like it worked. Yes, it did. <laughs> I, Very grateful. You clearly interpreted the plants through your music. Yes, yeah. yes, you did. It, well, of course you did, Alan. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel like, of course. I, you know, it's kind of like when you cook a meal. You can't really tell if it's any good until other people start eating it and saying "yum," and yes. then you go, "Oh." good <laughs> well and funny I add an, a layer of that for me so you know Toby my husband is a chef and so sometimes I'll kind of raise my hand and say I'll cook tonight and then I'll get to the end of the meal and he or I you know I haven't served it yet but I'm about to and I'm like okay it's done it's ready and he'll come over and he said so have you tasted it how, how does it taste and I'm like nope haven't tasted it yet. Did what the recipe said. <laughs> this, is, this is what we got. Yeah. <laughs> and Toby's always well, like, that would be a scary audience to cook for. <laughs> He's very gracious. But Toby always, he always tells me, you have to taste your own food. And I'm like, nope. Just doing it. I'm following the recipe. I so. could never do that. Anyway, that's what that reminded me of. Yeah, I digress. So well, I can relate to that. I don't reread my writing. I don't, you know, it's like, if I do, then my critical mind goes alive. Yeah. And starts picking things apart. And it just means I can't do anything in the world at all because I'm crippled with self-doubt, you know? So better not to yeah. worry. Don't taste, just serve. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to tell him. (laughs) So anyway, let's switch over to one of our favorite books of yours. And you've written quite a few books. In fact, why don't you tell us about the different books you've written? I know, because there's children's books. There's all these different things. Yeah. And then we'll talk about one of our favorites. (laughs) I have a chapter in a book that just came out. Um called No Ordinary Words and written by 33 women all around the world, mostly tree sisters, Mm. sharing women's wisdom and mostly not writers, although I am. (laughs) And um, so that's there. And then I have my adult wild path to the sacred heart, which is my forest bathing memoir. And I just came out with a children's environmental visionary fun page flipping fantasy called wind for middle grade kids (laughs) 
I had a dystopian book for young adults or older middle grade too um, called, I still have it, Stolen Voices. The publisher was Canadian and um, went out of business in 2008. And so it's still there on uh, Kindle. I don't know how many hard copies are left but it did get translated into german danish it uh was put in the international youth library and some good things it was in the battle of the books in canada where uh, along with i could not believe it the other books were like the witch at blackbird pond and the giver and i, I knew I, I recognized all the other authors except wow. for myself you know <laughs> that was thrilling and so that one, um, that one, what, it was a dystopia, and I don't feel like we need any more dystopias. So I moved on. I'm, I'm uh, with wind. I'm trying to move into the visions of where we can go in healing and restoring ourselves and our beautiful, precious, only planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is so important. Yeah. Well, I have two little picture books too for ch- for little little ones. <laughs> well, I have this one, Zoe the Misfit, and it's about shapes and it's about accept. It's about appreciating differences and mm. and getting along. And um, that one has been used in schools for bully prevention programs. Really. And then I have one, Princess Justina Albertina, and that was my first book accepted for publication by Charles Ridge. And um, it's a cautionary tale, kind of loosely based on the old Victorian morality tales that children used to be raised with. Yeah. It's sort of a cautionary tale about greed mm. and consequences. I guess you could call it a karma tale too <laughs> so and it's funny and it's light and it it won a best read aloud in the michigan schools and was wow. translated into korean oh, so nice. it's kind of fun you know i don't know who's reading these or where they're going <laughs> well and that's how i learned about you ellen through your the one of our favorites wild path to the sacred heart so lots of people are reading about the reading of them yes so when in the in your book, the the Wild Path to Sacred Hearts, you are you're sharing these incredible messages that you get in through the forest and trees. And anyway, could you tell our listeners about this book? And how old were you when you started being able to hear messages from the trees and or, or recognized that you could? There you go. And how did that happen? You know, I think I need to start when I first moved to Humboldt County, and that is uh, almost 30 years ago at this point. And I have an old growth redwood that's behind my house. And we, the kids and I called it Grandmother Dragon Tree because it has this big spike sticking up and it has kind of a snout. It looks like a dragon. So it ha- the tree had a name. And out of the blue, completely unplanned by me, I started dreaming repeatedly for two years straight. I would dream at least a couple times a week that this tree was talking to me in my uh-huh. sleep. And it was telling me all this stuff. It was telling me the, radi- the radius of its field and the influence and it was showing me some kind of energetic up and down thing that it was doing. And, and 
I didn't believe it was real. I just thought, well, that's weird. I like this tree so much that the tree's in my dream. I wonder what that symbolizes. What part of me is a tree? You know, I was doing the whole thing. And uh, it was beyond conceivable to me at that time that it could have been an actual interaction with the consciousness of the tree. Interesting. It was only later when the llama said, follow the juice, and the juice for me was off in the forest, and off I went, and I was, I I couldn't find, my husband would go sometimes, my best friend would go sometimes, but mostly people were busy, and I couldn't find anyone to go, so I wanted to go so much that I started going by myself. You're awfully quiet when you're by yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if my mom would be. I think she would still be loud when she's by herself. <laughs> I should be loud too. Sometimes I was loud. I would sing. Actually, I would sing a lot. Because to scare I was the mountain, mountain lions. lions. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was so quiet, I ran into a couple of mountain lions. And after that, I started trying to make a racket. Because <laughs> I didn't want to quit going. And then I didn't want to quit going by myself. Because... I would be there all the way. Yeah. You know, we humans love each other so much and we're so engaged with each other and we want to know all about each other. And so when I go with a friend, there's a lot of, of human bonding, which is wonderful. But it was being alone that let me realize that this other type of um, relatedness could deepen. Yeah beyond my conception, beyond my preconceptions. That was the other thing. I had no preconceptions. Nobody had told me, oh, you can go do this. this. It was before the word forest bathing existed. I didn't have, mm-hmm. well, maybe it did in Japan. I had never heard of it. And, um, but, uh, so what happened was I would find these cool places to sit down and eat lunch. And at the time, of course, I had been learning to meditate with this llama. So, Actually, one of my friends suggested we try meditating at a tree. Sometimes I would go with people, and and we did. And the tree, in my head, I heard, come back. Oh. Like, and I, like, that couldn't be real. You know, this just can't be happening. So I come out, and I tell my friend what just happened. And we're shaking our heads puzzled and wondering what part of Ellen's imagination is kicking in this time, you know, because I am imaginative. And I can't really distinguish the borders between perception and imagination. There's kind of a a place where they um, interface. Mm. And um, it's hard to tell sometimes, especially when in uncharted, unmapped territory, which I was, because I didn't know anyone was doing anything like this. And so anyway, but we agreed that I should come back. So I thought I would come back once, or maybe twice. And I came back, and it was so wonderful to sit with this tree. And a lot of the wonderfulness was just... Being with nature is really calming on the nervous system. It really feels good in a very visceral, sensual way. Mm. It just feels good. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of, 
wanted to go and go and go. And I kept going back to this one tree all summer long. In the winter, I can't get to that tree. So I went all the way through the fall. And then sometimes I would have visions or I just get information. A lot of the information in my book, Wild Path to the Sacred Heart, when I wrote it, I had The Hidden Life of Trees by Peter Walden. Did I pronounce it right? It wasn't out. I hadn't read it. And then when I read it, I went, wow, that's mm. the same the same stuff. So what I'm considering right now, what I'm thinking of is that nature's really reaching out to anyone who will listen, which yeah. is all of us can. It's a human capacity. But anyone who wants to devote themselves to going a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, nature's really reaching out to us now, I feel. And it isn't necessarily going to come in words. It doesn't usually come in words to me. There's sensations. There's just calming down and being more present and relaxed and deeper in the breath and the being. But sometimes there's knowing. Yeah. But I do believe pretty firmly that anybody that spends much time loving the earth in any facet it could be your house plants it could be your pets it could be a a beautiful wild untamed place but we will be changed there's something that happens in our energetic fields that is very um kind of fine-tuning and i think our capacities grow yeah, that's the theory of mine. I don't know this. I totally agree. You know, Ellen, it's interesting. I I'm an only child, so I am feel very comfortable doing things by myself. I I go I travel by myself. I go hiking in the w- woods by myself. I'll yeah, I'll do lots of things by myself. And one of my favorite things is to go hiking in the forest and just listen and so many times there'll be people around me and they'll be talking and it's just so, it really disturbs me. There's some, uh, uh, some very loud birds in Mexico. They're called chacalacas. And whenever I'm trying, I'm in the forest and I'm trying to listen to the, the trees in the forest and there's these people being really noisy. I was like, oh, just be quiet, chacalacas. <laughs> I love, okay, Ellen, the funniest part is that my mom in Spanish always gets one letter off. Oh, what did I get wrong? And they're called chachalacas. Oh, that's it. I love that word. Say that again. Chachalacas. Chachalacas, yes. (laughs) And doesn't it sound, that's what the birds sound like. They're really loud. And that's what people sound like in the forest to me. (laughs) Well, mom, I... They're really loud. I mean, we're really really loud and we're missing a lot so much yeah Yeah. it's true and I've told you right that I had the pleasure of walking through an old growth forest with Ellen in California and we did a meditation by the tree I was pretty much a highlight of my life (laughs) it was amazing it was amazing um one of the main points or one of the things that comes up in your book, and I know we've talked about this, is and and you just you know touched on it 
a little bit, but the importance of an actual relationship with nature. And as you said, the healing power and how it really changes your energetic field. If how we always try to figure out different ways that we can communicate this concept to people, because one of the things that we say is you, it all starts with having a relationship with nature because then you can't care about someone or something that you don't have a relationship with. And in turn, you're not going to protect and restore if you don't. It all starts with a relationship. So from all of your interactions with nature, messages from trees, can you go a little bit deeper on that in terms of the true importance and and why past just making us feel good, why is it so critical? And and how is it life? Because to me, it's life-changing. But I'd love to hear from you, from you how you've kind of seen it. And have you always been connected to nature? Or have you seen a shift in your life? And how did that, how did that change your life? Okay, well, I'll start there. Because I was really blessed. My dad was into um, fishing and hiking. And from the time I was a very young child, took us backpacking in the Sierra Nevada mountains of California. And that in those days, you could drink the water right out of the creeks. And there was nobody there, but occasionally an old fisherman. So um, I can remember being very young and my family had gone off to the creek to fish or whatever. And I was left alone in this mountain meadow. And I just had this experience of oneness. They're easy to come by in nature because of the way nature comes together in a symphony. All, Mm -hmm. both like a painting symphony, the colors and, and the sounds and smells. And we're so immersed when we're in nature that somehow that opened me up and was an unforgettable moment of my life, even though I was only eight years old. But um, that and I grew up in Southern California by the ocean and spent a lot of time at the beach playing in the waves. And so the love I had was there, but I grew up in the reified world where everything was mechanical everything was Mm -hmm. a thing and so I was pretty indoctrinated on those levels Mm -hmm. and oh I love the beauty I it wasn't a I don't I don't know if I'd say that it was a a growth in consciousness for me when I realized when I got outside of that human-centric point of view and realized the intelligence of other species, of plants, of trees, and that somehow evolutionarily hardwired into all of us is this capacity to be in relationship and related to other species on the planet we're not here alone and we're not Mm -hmm. the only intelligence and just as we need to learn to listen to each other a lot more and really uh, honor the differing points of view so we can come together with the gifts from all all sides 
this is also true with other species and yeah. that we share this planet with. And I think quite possible if we would just let ourselves slow down and open and listen. And in that slowing down and opening and listening is such a deep healing and relaxation because this pressure we have that we have to solve it all, be in control, <laughs> we're the stewards of the planet or whatever this idea that we've, we seem to have bought of us being the penultimate species, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all, all this was created for us because we're at the apex. If we can let go of that um, self-centered view long enough to listen and and some of the listens, just the careful observation our scientists are doing. Yeah. Or even this beautiful tree music. I mean, it's not all some kind of, my husband calls all this stuff of me hearing trees, mumu juju. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's not all that crazy stuff. It's like real science. It's real paying attention. Mm-hmm. And paying attention, we give our attention to what we really love. So here is where a starting point for all of us is, is with ourselves. We're nature made up of the elements. We, we have a fluid body, you know, we're made of water and we're made of earth. And, and um, there's no way that we can live on this planet and not be connected to nature. Even if you're in a high rise in New York city, and your feet hardly touch the ground ever, you still are drinking water and Mm -hmm. breathing air. And you're still, and that air is still given to all of us from the plants. Yeah. And I'm kind of contemplating, I don't know this, but I'm wondering if like, because we all breathe air that circulates the whole planet, Mm -hmm. There's a way that we're all inhaling and exhaling each other and drinking each other. You know, we're all like sort of um, kaleidoscopically morphing (laughs) into each other in a way. And so we're all influenced and changed. And anytime we help ourselves a plant, an animal, each other become healthier and happier, we're all becoming healthier and happier. Mm, I love so there's that. really no place too small to start. Ellen, I love that. Because, you know, we all we do hear, you know, we're all one, we're all connected. And we hear that a lot. And sometimes that can seem like a very abstract concept and saying, okay, if I'm helping this plant or this animal, my dog, loving my dog, how is that affecting anybody else? But you just brought that visually alive. You know, it's if you think about it, it's so true. The air we breathe, the water we drink, it literally becomes part of us and then goes and becomes part of millions of other plants, animals, all of like everything is connected. Ah, I love that. I love that. It's like one of those aha moments I tell people, and I might have even mentioned this to you at some point, but I was reconnected to nature through science. And the more I learned about earth systems and how everything was in balance, and the more you learned about this system, you realized how connected it was to this other seemingly 
totally disconnected system and all just worked perfectly together towards balance. And I just was fascinated. And that's how I really became like my, my nature journey started there. Um, and so that what you just said was a similar aha moment to me looking at a graph about the air circulation patterns, like, Oh, my gosh, it just makes so much sense. <laughs> so thank you for visually painting that. Because it's true. And when we, when we, for, when we try to believe that we're not connected to nature, we need you just, as my mom would say, your carburetor needs an adjustment (laughs) because it's true. And one of my favorite things to do with people when we're having this conversation, and I've only met one person who hasn't, who's answered differently. But when you ask someone, imagine yourself anywhere that brings you the most peace, where are you? And I've asked so many people and almost everyone except for one person has described nature. And they all describe either a beach or a hammock out and, you know, next to the ocean or a mountain. My mom is the desert or she just likes the horizons. My mom loves horizons, but it's so true. So then how we have this, this, thread that links us all in terms of if that if that to me if you don't see that as a clear indication that we are inherently connected to nature then how you know then then what is so I love that's my other little exercise when I'm having this conversation with people (laughs) because inevitably they all then they're like oh wait maybe maybe you're right and they kind of like open up to the possibility that there is a true connection so Thanks, Ellen. Now I'm going to start using your thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's fascinating to me, too, because I used to do these guided meditation tapes 40 years ago to help relax. And um, they'd say, go to your relaxing spot. It could be a place in your library or blah, blah, blah. And I, mine never was. It was always out in nature. But it's interesting. I used to wonder, who are these people that go to the library? <laughs> I've only met one. I've only met one library person. So, yeah. I love libraries. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, in your book, The Wild Path to the Sacred Heart, you dedicated your book uh, to the for, to forests everywhere and you said that a portion of the royalties would be d- donated to Archangel Tree Archive Gaviotas and Tree Sisters to help reforestation could you tell us about these three organizations and why are they so important to you okay um Archangel Ancient Tree Archive I love because they're taking clones of the oldest champion trees around the world and um, planting them, lots of lots of redwood clones. And I'm particularly excited that they're planting groves in the UK. And then uh, Tree Sisters is a, a UK-based charity that um, is committed to restoring women and forests around the world and plants mostly in uh, close to the equator in various countries and not only is planting trees but 
those teas are are giving funds into the hands of a lot of uh, women who then use the money in countries often that don't have a whole lot of monetary resources. And then these women use the money to educate their kids, including their daughters. So it's just win-win all around, Mm. saving habitats. And um, so it helps the animals too. Gaviotis, um, the founder is Paolo Lugari. And he's an amazing human being. He wanted, as a young man, to create a community that could live sustainably using the resources at hand. And he wanted to do it in a hard place. He's Colombian. So he chose the Llanos, the savanna, the barren savannas. And um, they got this land and moved out there and nothing would grow. And they tried everything. And eventually they tried tropical Caribbean pine trees. And they survived in the acidic soil. Mm. Then... I am writing a book about this too, right right now. So, um, but the um, shaded in under the canopy of the tropical Caribbean pine trees, rainforests that biologists think hadn't been seen for thousands, maybe thirty thousand years in that area, wow. spontaneously regenerated and restored itself, bringing back over two hundred and sixty different species of flora and fauna, and um, to me, that miracle is so inspiring because it shows in a real world setting how when we humans put our best foot forward and and act to restore the environment, nature can take that little bit we do and, and heal beyond our wildest imaginations. Mm. And that is right now one of my biggest hopes. Oh. Ellen, I, I need we have more questions for you, but I'm like, mic drop <laughs> that that and and one of our questions was, how do you stay hopeful? And what do you tell people, especially through, through your really strong connection with nature? How do you stay hopeful? And I loved I loved that again, visual example, but also you can put it into the context of what we're all doing and also what you were saying that it's not, we, we've kind of, and you and I have had this conversation, we have adopted this belief that we're here to save the planet and it's up to us to save the planet. And you many months ago reminded me, it's not up to us. The earth and mother earth is more than capable of healing herself. We just have to, we have to give her a little something to work with. And right. That is hope. That to me is incredibly hopeful and inspirational. Thank you. And I think in one of his books, I've read a bunch and I don't remember exactly which book, but I I have this memory in one of his books of the Dalai Lama saying, um, there's a moral imperative for humans not to give, to not give up hope. We have, because we're in this pivotal moment in time. We're all born here now, who knows why. And here we are. And also, when we give up hope, and and then there's a tendency not to do anything. Mm -hmm. Or we feel futile, like the little things that we can do, be kind to a child, or let someone in in traffic, don't count. But they do count. Everything counts. Yeah. 
Think- and um, I'm not always hopeful. Sometimes I'm scared, <laughs> you know, but then I go back to the trees. Actually, I think I'm feeling more hope out with and from them than I do on my own. So that's really bolstering me, which is another reason I would encourage people to um, spend time with the nature realm, however it's possible, wherever you are. Yeah, I love that. Okay, Ellen, I don't want us to go without talking about your newest book, Wind. (laughs) Um, One of the things that I loved as I was reading it, I could see glimpses of conversations we had had and your description of the ancient forest and also how the main character goes to take a drink of water from the creek and she doesn't know if it's clean and you bring up so many different parallelisms but it's this quest to find your journey and yourself and it's so fantastical and it's great can you tell just our audience a little bit about your book what was your inspiration for it and what do you mostly want young readers to take from it um well i mentioned earlier that i had written a dystopia and i no longer feel Actually, when I wrote my dystopia, the only dystopias that I knew about were The Giver. I didn't know about it even. But 1984 and um, Fahrenheit 451, Mm -hmm. it was right before that big, huge wave of dystopias. And um, I had a feeling that what kids need is some inspiration and some hope and some vision of where we could go. It's no longer, we all know there's a big mess happening. So that news is old. So I wanted to write something visionary and hopeful. But I also just wanted to write something fun and entertaining that would be a page flipper. Mm -hmm. Did my best to do that and um, put in a lot of things that I love. (laughs) I can tell. And also, it was a wonderful glimpse into your incredible and colorful imagination I will have to say it was now can you understand why I have a hard time distinguishing between when I'm having real plant communication and when it's just me I mean where's the border where is the border but it was so awesome I was reading this and I was like how does Ellen even come up with this stuff like it is great I couldn't my brain doesn't work that way and it was so it and but I also remembered I went back to for me the you know reading Harry Potter when I was young and Harry Potter was the book for me that opened up the possibility of magic period um we joke because when I turned 11 my wish was that I my parents would let me go to Hogwarts because I was 100% convinced (laughs) that I was going to get a letter but looking back on it now as an adult I think it really it had such an impactful, you know, influence on my life because it, it, I truly to my core believed magic is possible. And, and that's one of the things that I I loved when I was reading wind, it's creates such a vibrant world that's so unlike ours. And it's so different. But as a, I remember myself reading Harry Potter as a child and truly just taking it all in because at that point you're not really, you know, beaten down with what is and what isn't possible. So it was very fun. And especially because I know you (laughs) and it was great reading that book. And so um, age range, because obviously this one is different than 
um, than you know your other books. But what's the what's the target age range so that we know when it's we're a, buying gifts? <laughs> it's a middle grade, which is technically I think seven to eleven. I think it's more like an eight to thirteen year old would like it. Some of the concepts are going to be over the younger kids' heads, but. I think they'll flip right through because it's a page flipper. Yeah. And I want to back traffic and say something about magic. I mean, there's the magic in stories in Harry Potter where the kids fly around on broomsticks and stuff and it's really fun. And then there's just the inherent magic in life. Mm -hmm. I mean, what could be Mm -hmm. more magical than a seed becoming a sprout, becoming a plant, and then a flower? (laughs) And then a bee comes? I mean, it's unbelievable, this place we're living in. Yes, I agree. And, okay, I'm telling you, that's you just made that connection for me that, well, you verbalized why when I was learning the science of, nature and the world why I fell in love with it even more because it's that to me was like wait this is like our magic (laughs) do you see how this all works and talks to each other like that is so magical it's true and we're just we're at we're babies we're just scratching the surface of barely understanding most of it because and think I'm so grateful to our scientists because Thank goodness we have these people willing to take the time and to observe that closely. And that isn't what I am because I like to play. (laughs) I just want to be out there, you know? So I'm doing a different kind of exploration, but it is one. I love that. Listening to y'all talk about magic, it reminded me of one of our interviews uh, with Chris Weisinger, who is, uh, he specializes in bulbs for the South. And when he, he said that how he got interested in these bulbs was when he was a little boy and his mother let him buy a tulip bulb and he planted a rock and the rock, the neck that a few months later created a flower. (laughs) And he just thought that was, and then he dedicated his career to bulbs. Yeah, literally. Now yeah. he's the bulb guy. Yeah, the bulb hunter, or the and his company is called Southern Bulbs. But talk about magic yeah. for a child. You plant a rock, and out comes a tulip. Wow. <laughs> That's, That's such a beautiful story, isn't I love it? That. I had forgotten about that story, Mom. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone, um, for those of you on Patreon with us, Ellen is going to give us an awesome treat. Um, and she's going to do a channeled tree connection meditation to help us tune into nature and foster our own communication with nature. So for those of y'all on Patreon, head over there. And Ellen, before we wrap it up, we will obviously put in links to your books and everything. But how what what's the best way for people to get to know more about you and your work or be in touch or all of the above i do have a website and there's a contact form there and you can find out more there's links to the books um and um I don't know. That's perfect. perfect. Don't don't call her cell phone. (laughs) No, go through the contact form. Awesome, Ellen. And before we go, 
This is my mom's question that she asks all of our guests. Yeah, I have to ask you, Ellen, what do you think is the most important thing that each individual can do to reverse global warming and climate change? (sighs) Oh, boy, it's a million dollar question. It's an Um, important one, isn't it? uh, It's the question of our times, I do think. The most important thing that each of us, you know, as far as doing, I think each of us are going to be called to do different things. And I think the most important thing for each individual to do is to get quiet and listen to his or her own, or anyway, listen to their own heart and follow the true callings of our own natures Mm -hmm. we're not all the same and we don't all have the same role to play but life wants to live and we're alive and life loves life and for some people the most important thing that they're going to do to reverse climate change is going to be to take care of their own family Mm. i mean it's not always Every single person's not going to be out planting trees, or although it's good if we donate money to people who are, or um, restoring rivers or, or saving wildlife. That Not everybody will do that, but everyone has good they can do in the world to help life, some life, somewhere. So I guess that's what I would say. <sighs> I love your answer. I know. I told you she's amazing. (laughs) Ellen, we get really great answers, but I'm going to have to say, I think that's my favorite one. I really do. That was so, I'm going to, I I, just, like you said, I don't ever really re-listen to our podcasts because it's weird, (laughs) but I'm going to have yours saved anytime I need a dose of hope. And yes, you can do this. I'm going to re-listen to this and that little portion specifically, because I think it's so true. Um, And it's part of just a, a true belief that I have that we're all a very unique piece of this puzzle. And if we, if we, do what we personally feel called to do, which may look very different from the way other people are living, then we're fulfilling that piece of the puzzle that only we can fulfill. No one else has those puzzle pieces. (laughs) So I loved that answer. Yeah. Follow your passion and your purpose. Yeah. Well, Ellen, thank you so much for spending this time with us. Cannot wait for our guided tree connection meditation. (laughs) And I just thank you so much for sharing your just true connected wisdom. It's always just so amazing having a chat with you. And thank you for sharing it with our audience. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Your, your time and your wisdom is a real gift. Yes. Thank yes. you. Thanks, Ellen. Thanks.